All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Book of Podcasts episode. Uh, I'm excited for a number of reasons. First of all, it is a stunning day here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, right now, uh, it is, I'm looking at my temperature here, it's 67 degrees and sunny with blue sky. So that makes me happy, number one. Uh, two, I had just a little bit too much caffeine before we jumped on <laughs> this podcast. And three, and most, really most importantly, actually, I have a conversation today with... Brittany from Brittany Jean Photography. Brittany, thank you for hanging out with me today on the Boca Podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Nathan. I'm so happy to be here. And we were talking right before we got started. I've talked about the idea of doing like a pre-show and and have like a record almost immediately. So we jump on uh, Zoom in this case. I'm probably going to be using a different platform here very soon, but jump on Zoom, hit the record button so that Maybe we offer like a premium service where guests, if they want to hear all the, all the conversation that happens outside of the recording, they can do that. Uh, nonetheless, we, you and I were talking about the podcast and your experience with the podcast. You said that when you were in corporate America, you would actually take lunch breaks, go take a walk and listen to the podcast. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So I didn't have much time um, for lunch breaks. Um, and so, but what I would try to do to get some air um, is walk around my corporate community building and listen to the book of podcasts. And so that was my way of being able to learn as much as I could from other photographers. Yeah. So, and you know what? I'm actually kind of curious to ask you this. First of all, it, it, I, I can't thank you enough for listening to the show. And, you know, you and I talked before we started recording about my primary focus with the podcast being to add value. I want listeners, even if they only have, you know, say 10 minutes to listen to the show, they still walk away with something. And that's part of the reason I start with those kind of shorter questions. Um, but I'm curious, you talked about getting value or advice from other photographers. I very intentionally don't tend to have you know, the same list of say the top 30 celebrity photographers that everybody has on all the podcasts on the Boca podcast. I, it's, it's a welcome opportunity to be able to do that occasionally, but usually I'm, I'm interviewing photographers just from around the country. If they have something of value to add to the community, I have them on, we have a conversation. What are your thoughts about that approach um, and, and getting advice from kind of any random photographer versus just simply that select group of celebrity photographers? Yeah, I think it just gives more like authenticity to the industry okay. as a whole and being able to have photographers who are not, you know, the celeb photographers peel back the curtains and really share like the nitty gritty of like their processes and things that they've learned. And so that's what I really love about um, what you're doing and the conversations that you're having, because, you know, I get to see how really like normal photographers like myself run their yeah, business yeah. and, and how to have a successful business and be able to support themselves. So that's a that's great point. That's a really great point, actually. And it's funny you say that because I was just listening to, um, Tim Ferriss. So have you ever, Brittany, have you ever heard of the, the book, uh, the four hour work week or maybe the four hour body, those books? Yeah. So my husband, he, uh, told me that I need to read that book. So that's, that's on my list. Oh, really? Okay. So <laughs> Tim Ferriss wrote those books and a number of, of others now, probably at least three or four books that have been bestsellers. Uh, anyway, he has a podcast as well. And I was just listening to his podcast, he and his um, friend the other day, and they are both multimillionaires. And so I'm listening to them talk about these ideas that in, in some ways really are only kind of relevant to somebody who's a multi millionaire and that's cool i i love i love listening to those conversations 
I'm certainly not a multimillionaire, and um, and and while I would aspire to be one, maybe at some point in my life, it's not where I'm at now. And so, it doesn't. In some ways, it didn't feel totally relevant. You know what I mean? So, I guess right. maybe in a somewhat similar way, if we only ever had kind of A-list wedding photographers or portrait photographers who are doing, you know, who are charging crazy amounts and working with celebrity clients and and pulling in 500K a year and whatever, it, it may not feel totally relevant. Whereas when we get to have conversations with photographers like you and me who are just doing business, they're learning along the way as well, and they're able to share that, I, I think there's something to be said for that. And um, it really, at the end of the day, we can all learn something from pretty much any conversation if we keep an open mind. So anyway, I'd, I'd love your commentary on that. Thanks for just giving that to me. That, that was certainly unplanned. But um, let's let's go ahead and jump into questions, though, and let's talk about your photography business, which, by the way, you know, you just mentioned being in corporate America. We're going to actually talk, for those of you listening, we're going to learn from Brittany today how she was able to launch her business, or I should say more specifically, go full-time with her photography business last year during COVID, which is kind of mind-blowing to consider. Um, Insane. <laughs> and, and so this, this just happened. Um, we're going to talk in detail about how she did that and more specifically how she managed to build her business without a marketing budget, which is really uh, an, a fascinating concept. We'll get to that in just a bit. But to begin with, Brittany, talk to me about your photography business's brand position. What is the value proposition, the unique value proposition that your business brings to your marketplace? Yeah. So I help women entrepreneurs grow their business and brand through strategic brand photography, and that captures their authenticity and authority in their industry. Okay. So that's really, you know, my unique positioning and also the fact that I'm able to work with diverse women entrepreneurs in multiple different industries. Okay. Say that phrase back to me, the summation of your brand position. I want to hear it one more time. Okay, so I help women entrepreneurs grow their business and brand through strategic brand photography okay. that captures their authenticity and authority in their industry. And oh, I like that the authority piece of it. Okay, that's that's interesting. So, how did you end up landing on that position statement? Was it a was it a kind of a process of coming up with that? How did you land on that? Absolutely. So, a lot of the business owners that were coming to me they had a business, but they didn't have a clear like brand position. And so, you know, from that, I was able to help them with being able to ask questions and dive deeper into what makes them unique, what makes them stand out, you know, what are some special things that they do in their business that's, you know, unique to, to their business. So that's really where I came up with that brand position. Well, and for those of you listening in and who are curious about Brittany's brand just in general, if you go to Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y, Jean, J-E-A-N, photography.com, um, of course, you can see her website there. And we'll also uh, mention that her Instagram is the same thing, Brittany Jean Photography. We'll put that, uh, both those things actually in the show notes at Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. Go check it out. Follow Brittany. Um, but let's keep moving with the questions too. And, and by the way, I have to say, Brittany, I, I love that you are very intentional in the target market and, and you actually specify that in that brand position, saying out loud who it is that you're actually serving uh, is a great idea. In fact, I'd love to be able to see that brand position statement like forefront on your website somewhere. And I think that would make a big difference too in, in letting your clients know who they're interacting with because you're your photography is just stunning. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing these pictures. I'm on your website right now. I'm seeing these pictures. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. No, 100% though. Just really beautiful work. And I see them scrolling in front of me. 
and and it's great. There's there's actually quite a wide variety of work too. We've got wedding photography and portrait photography, um, and obviously some what looks like maybe um, kind of brand shoots, headshots, this type of thing. Yeah. So what's funny is that, you know, when I decided that I was going full time, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to do brand photography, wedding photography and family photography. And then I really thought about it and I had to do some kind of like soul searching. Mm. And I realized that, you know what, like uh, the reason why I was so afraid to go full time in the first place is because I didn't want to give up my weekends. And so I, you know, really dug deep and I said, you know what, I, I need to, you know, really work towards just offering one thing and working with one group of people. Yes. And so go you know, for that's it. the transition that's happening right now. Yeah. Oh, and, and <laughs> but I, yes, I, I need to put that on there. Definitely. So, well, and maybe by the time this episode airs uh, for everybody listening and we'll break the fourth wall for a second. Uh, it, you may have figured this out already, but there is a bit of a delay between the time that we record a podcast in more, most cases, just because we normally, because we have so many episodes in the queue, I'm recording very consistently on an ongoing basis. Um, so, but what I was going to say is by the time this episode comes out, Brittany, maybe by that time you'll actually have updated your site. You'll have, everything's going to be geared and focused on or geared toward and focused on that brand position you just, you talked about. I think that's going to be really great. Um, and, and I love that you're, that you're going in that direction and I would give you the extra push and props to, to, to keep going. It is nerve wracking to, to go from a place where you're like, all right, I'm going to just try to get (laughs) any and all business that I can to, all right, now I'm going to really focus in. Uh, but I think there's something to be said for that. I, the other thing too, and I'll just throw this out here and, and, we'll, and then we'll keep going. I'm in the process right now of reading a book by Donald Miller called Marketing Made Simple. And I've mentioned Donald Miller on the book or on the podcast previously, um, particularly as it relates to his book, Building a Story Brand, which is one of the best marketing books that I've, I've read to date, one of the best business books that I've read to date. This new book that I'm reading from him is is definitely going to be competing. But one of the things he talks about when when it comes to this idea of brand um, is the importance of being super specific in communicating what, how we add value to the potential client, how we add value to their life, how we really just very simply put, how we make their lives better. And it, there's this excerpt that's really interesting I highlighted this morning as I was reading. It says, a nutritional supplement company we worked with introduced me to their line of products by saying they give their customers, quote, more life and more fulfillment. That sounds great, but the same could be said of a church, an executive coach, a gym, or a daycare. Those words go in one ear and out the other and come off as a standard marketing speak. It's an invisible first impression. And then he goes on to say, we interact with thousands of brands who fail to tell their customers exactly what they offer and exactly how they can change their customers' lives for the better. In your marketing copy, don't be cute, be clear. And I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind. Again, Brittany, I, I love the specificity of your position statement, potentially kind of simplifying that even further and then making it front and center in your site so your potential clients know exactly who it is that they're interacting with. I think it's going to be really, really important, especially as, you, as you're talking about. You're going to narrow your focus to that market segment. But I love the practicality of your message. It is, it is super specific and it's super practical. And to Donald Miller's point, it's better to be clear than to be cute. And a lot of times we use these kind of be cliche, feel good, touchy feely, right. you know, head in the clouds phrases and words as Especially in wedding photography. Yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And and that's really nice. But what does it actually mean to the client? And and I right. don't think it carries as near as much meaning. We have to keep in mind we need to communicate how we make their lives better. So I, I've been rambling long enough. I just wanted to throw that out there. And and feel no, free, Brittany, to, to to add any further thoughts to that. 
No, I, I love everything that you said. And, you know, it's true. I need to read this book. I, I just wrote it down. Um, but, it, you know, definitely being clear. And also, like, how do you solve a client's biggest fear? Yeah. You know, that that is what, if we can do that, yes. then we can attract more business, you know? And so that's, I think, really important is how can we solve their their biggest problems, you know, or the things that they fear. And with brand photography, you know, it's for me, it's really being able to get that the client out of their head of mm. not showing up for their customers and thinking that they can just sell through, you know, their quotes and their graphics and things like that or stock images. But in reality, you know, especially if you're a service based entrepreneur, you have to show up and show your face and you have to give value and share how potentially what you're doing has also transformed your life. Yeah, because when they hear that, you have firsthand experience. You can say, hey, by doing this, my life, my business, it was changed. I, I can offer you the same thing. They're like, oh, now they're not. Now they don't just feel like they're being sold. They actually feel like you're giving something of value that you've personally experienced. It, it's, it's so mm-hmm. much more impactful that way. And I think, by the way, that you and Donald Miller are quite aligned because here's another segment that, that I read from his book today, which, by the way, I'm going to get you a copy of. So, so I'll, I'll hook you up there. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's it's so good. I I haven't even. I I don't think I've even gotten through a quarter of it yet. But I just I'm a huge fan of his writing style. It's super practical, super easy to follow. Um, I just big fan. So I'm going to make sure to get you a copy. But he says in this, he says, consider answering these questions in your sales funnel. And and here's where I was talking about you guys aligned. He said, what problems do you solve for customers? Number one. Number two. What will your customer's life look like if they buy your product? Number three, what consequences does your product help customers avoid? And to me, that kind of relates to what you were talking about with fear, Brittany. And then what does somebody need to do to buy your product? Of course, that's the call to action, right? Click buy now, call today, this kind of thing. But what problems do we solve for the customer? What would their life look as a result of purchasing the product? And what consequences does our product or our service help our customers avoid? Interesting uh, questions to consider. And, you know, really, when we come up with a brand position statement, I think it's important that we consider those questions and, and writing that brand position statement. It'll help us make it a lot clearer. So, all right, we we, we parked there for a while. We're going to keep going, Brittany, I promise. Um, let's talk about your experience as a business owner thus far and what you feel in interacting with your clients has been the most important principle behind providing a really great customer experience. Yeah. So I'm actually a communication major. So of course I'd say uh, this, but clear communication and setting expectations as well as preparing your client for the services you're offering them are crucial. And they've actually helped me tremendously in my success thus far in my business, uh, especially when I have clients who are referring me before they even work with me. So, I mean, I think that speaks for itself. Wow. Okay. Wait, but why do you think that's the case? I mean, what I'm sure the interaction with you, your person, you've got just this great personality. I'm sure that makes a big difference, Thank but you. why would they, why would they, like, what's the thing that pushes them over edge and, and makes them refer you already? Yeah. So my process, you know, as soon as someone inquires um, or reaches out to me for my services, you know, I have clear communication, you know, within my emails that I send and communication. 
Um, and then from the time that we, I actually have my sales process, which I call my sales process, which is the consultation. And um, I set clear expectations of what we're going to go over first and foremost. And then I walk them through a set of questions. And I really do try to listen to the client and ask as many questions as possible. Mm. And then from there, I share with them the value um, that could help their needs um, and their specific wants or okay. desires. And, and you mentioned expectations more than once now. This is an interesting point of conversation. In fact, I was even just talking to my team at Photographer's Edit today uh, about the significance of expectations as it relates to our ability to retain customers, right? I know at the end of the day as an editing service, if we deliver a great product, that's wonderful, but that's only a piece of the puzzle. We also have to make sure up front that the expectations that we create for photographers who are going to use Photographer's Edit, um, that, that, it's, that they are detailed enough, informative enough. Um, and ultimately help them clearly understand what the process looks like and what they're going to get back as a, as a finished result. And if I don't deliver on those things, then the client ends up feeling like they've been taken in some way, and that's certainly not going to be a great experience for them. So expectation management is huge. What are certain ways that you proactively manage expectations for your clients? Well, first I have a, a workflow as well that I send. So, you know, once they book, um, I have a workflow of emails that are automated and that are sent to the client. And this is helping them prepare for exactly what to expect in their session, okay. how to prepare, and also um, what other small details that were in their proposal that I know they didn't read, putting them back in those emails <laughs> because I know they'll read the emails. And so they have a clear expectation of what to expect, where they need to be, um, showing up on time, things that could arise and how to handle those, those things, right? When they're going to expect to get their photos back, all of those things. I'm making sure that I'm adding those into specific emails that I know the client will read um, so that there's just no miscommunication ah. um, whatsoever. Well, and it's funny because those things that you list just now, it's not, we're not talking about earth shattering information, right? It's, it's the basic <laughs> right. stuff. It's just the point that you're actually communicating it proactively that makes a difference. Um, and, and I want to throw this, this out there for everybody listening in. And I've alluded to this before, but most of what we discuss here on Boca, it's not, it's certainly not meant to be earth shattering concepts that you've never heard before. What we're focusing on is the basic principles that enables us to have a consistent or a, a successful business if we implement those principles consistently. And to Brittany's point here, if we actually, and, and in detail, communicate the process to our clients so they understand upfront what it looks like, what's going to happen. And then, by the way, we actually follow through on those expectations that we created. The client is going to be generally happy, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. You know, they know what to expect. They know what they're getting. You know, there's you, you basically are, are eliminating the fear that they still might have of what they're doing. And people don't realize that, you know, photography really is a big thing. A lot of people are afraid to get in front of the camera. Yeah. A lot of people are self-conscious. Yeah. So, or, you know, they've never done this before, especially with brand photography, since it's still pretty new, right? So a lot of people don't understand, you know, what to expect um, or don't know what to expect. And so um, for me to be able to clearly outline those things multiple times through the process uh, helps my client be able to put them at ease essentially okay. and to have a good time. Brilliant. As it should be uh, having a good time. It's funny at these day, these days when you can take a, a stunning image with 
I mean, our clients, to be clear, can take a stunning image with their phone. Uh, photography, while it's important that we make sure that we are continuing to refine our technique and, and that we're actually delivering beautiful images, good photography is is not overly rare, shall we say, in this day and age right. because of technology. So what does that mean? Well, it means then that we need to up the ante when it comes to experience. And if they walk away Absolutely. having had a great time with good photography to go along with it, I, it's a win-win situation. So I, I'm glad that you highlight that. Talk to me about time though, Brittany. Um, and, and especially as you've made this transition into full-time photography, is there a particular time management technique that you've implemented that enables you to, to still have a personal life while also <laughs> building your business? Um, so no, not really, actually. Um, <laughs> I know I was like looking at that question and I'm like, oh man, like I gotta be honest here, you know? That's great. Okay. So, so um, tell me what the, talk about the struggle too, because that's a real part of what we, what yeah. we all deal with. Well, I'm all about being real. So, <laughs> and honest, um, but being an entrepreneur and honestly, like for the first time running this business full time, it has been difficult, you know, hmm. uh, as far as managing time, because there's just so many things that now you're like, wow, I need to improve this process or this process, or, you know, you have, you're, you're really wearing multiple hats and I don't know how I was doing this part time, <laughs> but I was, I was definitely, you know, <laughs> just, I was able to do it, but, uh, but can but I ask you when, something about that? Because it, that's it's uh-huh. actually an interesting point that you made. You were doing it part time while also working a corporate job. Now you have, now you're doing it full time and you kind of have all the time in the world in, in some ways. You okay. were able to do it with only part time hours. Is it, do you find it interesting that, that the time that you now have seems like not enough? Like, do you feel like there are certain things you were doing when you were only part time that enabled that and you've gotten away from those maybe since? No, you know, honestly, I think it's just like how to make things better. Like, how can okay. I make this better? Okay. And I wasn't doing that before because I didn't have time to do that. You know, ah. all I all I had was okay. I have a professional, a professional, you know, demeanor. I can bring, you know, my organization and my sales uh, experience to photography while also still learning and teaching myself to get better. That's all that I was focusing on mm. and then posting here and there on social media. So, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's what I was doing. And so now it's like, okay, how can I make my processes better? Like how can I make my customer service experience better? How can I actually make even my photography techniques better? So that's really what it is. Um, it's just constant focusing on constant growth. So, and, and what enables you then to, to like, I guess, ultimately to make sure you're not getting burnout. out. Um, it, cause there really, there can be so much, right. So many possibilities as to how we spend our time, uh, especially as we're trying to build a business. Like you said, there's so many options. There are things that we can do to further refine our processes, our website, the service offering, whatever it might be. Okay. How do you avoid burnout? Do you create some kind of cutoff in, in your day-to-day schedule? Or you said that maybe not so much. I mean, what, what does it look like for you? <laughs> No, honestly, I just, I know when to turn off. I know when I'm like, I'm done, you know, (laughs) like I I need a break. But I also, um, you know, especially during these times right now, like here in LA, we're still kind of semi shelter in place. So there's not much that we can do. So, you know, I find myself, if I have downtime, I'm like, you know what? No, I need to be using this time strategically. So I'm going to do something for my business or I'm going to do something that I maybe didn't get to last week. So and also my husband and I were both entrepreneurs. Um, okay. He actually uh, became an entrepreneur during COVID as well. So, wow. <laughs> 
So we, yeah, we bought a home uh, in 2020 and shortly after we got sheltered in place and then shortly after we both left our jobs. Um, (laughs) So, you know, he's working long hours. And so we really just tried to make time for ourselves. And we, we know we have a morning routine. So we really focus in on that and doing the, you know, quote unquote self-care. And then from there, it's like, we, we know when we have to take a break and when we have to give to our relationship. So it's, you know, it's a constant like balance of things. Um, but really we, we both have this common goal that Mm. we are going to be entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so we, I think we give each other a break for that. And so, you know, time sometimes is working like for me, it's like working until, you know, six o'clock at night sometimes, you know, um, and same for him, if not later. But I guess if that's the worst of it, it's not too bad though, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a pretty good deal. And the fact that you guys can relate to each other and that you're both, you both just got into this entrepreneurship game full time, uh, that that's got to help too. Absolutely. Like having a partner who is in it himself, you know, it helps because when I'm having a hard day, like I can talk to him about it, you know, um, and relate. So (laughs) now as as a bad thing. That well, that yeah, just a bit of empathy makes all the difference in the world. That that is certainly true. Um, I so I'm curious then, as you're both making this move into entrepreneurship full time, and especially for you, Brittany, running a photography business, is there you know when we talk about time management, outsourcing, delegation, this is a massive part of time management. Uh, is this something that you've experimented with yet? If if not, do you plan on it? What are your thoughts about it? Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to right now outsource a few things. So first thing that I have outsourced is my website. Um, so being able to just update that, that's something that I also have to do. I literally just did, you know, a website rebrand, I guess you could say, or just sectioning off the the services that I offer. And now I'm like, you know what, I'm going to focus just on this one thing and grow this, you know, one service of which is brand photography. Um, so the website design. And then the second thing has been editing. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I actually use photographers edit. Shout um, out. Yes. Which has been great. And um, also Tiffany too. I have to shout her out. Um, she's helped me so much. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> shout out to she's Tiffany. Helped. Yeah. I was just I talked to her over the phone. And- oh, God. good. Yeah. Tiffany is actually, for those of you listening and don't know, and by the way, I, I also want to throw out there, I, I didn't know that we were going to be talking about Photographer's Edit today. So I, I appreciate this, Brittany. But um, it, in fact, most of the guests that we have on the show, I, I, like, I don't know necessarily ahead of time if they're using their service. Uh, so whenever this comes up, I, I know people listening and they're like, oh, he probably set this up. We're going to talk about Photographer's Edit. It's going to be a commercial now. Um, I, but nonetheless, definitely unplanned. I do appreciate the shout out. But what I was going to say is Tiffany is, is part of our customer service team. And she's largely in charge of, of outreach for new clients. Um, so people that are creating accounts, they're signing up. We have, uh, and you you may have seen this, Brittany, but just a, a multitude of information, videos, tutorial videos, and so forth on our support site. But if somebody says, you know what, I want to just jump on a call, talk to somebody, better understand the process, um, you can do that. And Tiffany's likely the person you're going to talk to. So I'm, I'm glad that she's been helpful. I'll have to make sure that, that she, <laughs> um, in fact, I'll message her after we get done here and make sure that she knows, um, yeah. because that, that's, it's always nice to get that encouragement from our clients. 
Absolutely. She's amazing. So good hire uh, on you, Nathan. She's amazing. And she's definitely been helpful. Um, and some of the, the things that I've, you know, haven't been able to like figure out and that's just, you know, user error kind of not technologically advanced. Um, well, it, it's but... a process, right? I mean, it, the idea of handing <laughs> over something like editing and, and by the way, for those of you listening in, when we talk about outsourcing or delegating, this is certainly not just about editing. There's so many different elements as, as Brittany pointed out the website, uh, we could talk about email management, certainly accounting. And um, I mean, for that matter, you, you could talk about the second shooters. Their, their delegation looks like a lot of different things. And right. and the goal, ultimately, if we're going to manage, well, first of all, continue to build our business and do so at scale, to be able to scale that effort in a way that we don't get burnt out or overwhelmed, we have to ask for help. What does that look like? Where should we ask for help? A lot of people talk about outsourcing the things that they don't enjoy. I get that. Um, certainly, because there are certain things that I'll I'll do in business. And I'm like, oh, I just get so frustrated with it. But at the same time, the other thing that I think we should be looking at more often is where m- most of our time is spent. What is the most time consuming task or tasks that we are engaged in in our business? Uh, and how can we get rid of those things? Take those things off our plate, give it to somebody else who can do that for us. Editing is the most time consuming element of running a photography business, at least for most people. And so I love that you've already gone there. Are there other things that you plan on delegating in the future? Yeah. So uh, marketing is one thing that I am starting to try to figure out how to delegate that. Um, So yeah, which I'm sure we'll get into more. Yeah. Yeah. We may actually touch on that here in just a little bit. Before we do that, though, um, let's talk about an impactful business or self-help book that you've read or listened to in the last few years. What's one that comes to mind? Yeah. So... The Defining Decade, Why Your 20s Matter by Meg Jay. Oh. Such a great book. Okay. What do you like about it? So it, it really talks about like how now is the time to explore, take risks, fail, and succeed, and how like there's this been this new culture of like that, you know, the 30s are the new 20s, but um, in reality, you know, our 20s are, are the most pivotal time for our adulthood. And so I think that's honestly another reason why I took the risk um, of going into entrepreneurship because I'm still in my twenties right now. Hmm. And so I'm like, you know, why not do it now? I have no kids, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, it's, that was a a really great book to just share with me that like, you know, I have to really make, you know, wise decisions and strategic decisions um, because that's going to help me in the future. Yeah. I've got it right here in front of me on, on Amazon. And it is, as Brittany mentioned by Meg Jay, the defining decade, why your 20s matter and how to make the most of them now. And it, this reminds me, Brittany, what you're talking about, um, something that Gary Vaynerchuk, you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's something that he talks about pretty consistently is it, and, and trying to encourage actually younger people. I say younger only because I guess um, I guess I can say that now. That's kind of weird, right? I'm 41 now. I feel like I'm 15 in my head, but... Um, but somebody younger than myself, somebody in their twenties, um, they may get this, this sense in hustle culture that they've just got to go, 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 go and make, take advantage of every potential opportunity right this second, um, and get overwhelmed with that, that notion. In fact, I was even just talking to my daughter uh, just the other day, she's only 15 and, and she's in the nursing tract in her high school. But she was, she was kind of stressed out about what to, whether or not to continue marching band, or get on the fast track program and, and the nursing track so that she could get her CNA certificate 
by next year so she can start working as a junior in high wow. school. Oh my gosh. Oh, I know. And and first of all, I'm super- She's like 15 steps ahead. Isn't that crazy? Well, but I, obviously I'm super proud of her drive yeah. and, and her, her yeah. desire to succeed. And, and she was talking about, of course, how that then fast tracks her process to getting her RN because she wants to, to be an RN. But um, at the same time, like, you know what? Look, I've, I've got your back either way. I support you. Right. But what I what I would encourage you to do, or if I was going to make a suggestion, it would be enjoy being a kid now. Like go go to marching band and hang out with your friends because right. she likes the social aspect of that. Like you can mm-hmm. you can work later in, in the next decade or even longer, whether or not you get your CNA right now or you do it in the next year or two, um, it's not going to make that much of a difference. So in I guess in some ways enjoy being young, learn, right. take it all in take advantage of the opportunity to, to figure out what works, what doesn't. Uh, and, and ultimately just don't be so stressed out. You've got time. You've got time. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, like, um, that's amazing that your daughter has so much drive and ambition. Um, but yeah, for, I think it's great that you're telling her, you know, it's okay. You can't still be a kid. Yeah. You can still have fun. So that's, I think important is to figure out, you know, how you can, you know, still enjoy, you know, your, your age, you know? So. I, I think so. Well, and see, I had, I kind of fast tracked unknowingly, of course, at the time, having no life experience, I got married at 20, had a baby at 22. Um, and wow. my son was born at 22. And then, um, my daughter was born when I was 20, I guess, 25. Anyway, I got started relatively young with adult life and really didn't have my twenties. So my thirties ended up becoming more like my twenties. And, you know, I, time to just kind of figure things out, just life and, and, and my emotions and my psychology and, and developing some type of perspective about the world. Cause I didn't really do that in my twenties. I love that you're doing that. I love that you're taking the time and yet simultaneously going for it with your business. What do you think the biggest lesson you've learned thus far has been as, as a business owner is you're, you're going for it in your twenties? Oh gosh. Uh, so many things, but you know, one important thing is just don't care about what other people think of you or what they're going to think of you. Really? Just okay. Just you. Yeah. What, because like, so many, so many of us, you know, we can operate from that. Like, what are people going to think of me? Sure. You know, or that it, like imposter syndrome. Sure. And honestly, you just have to do it and go for it because that's, what's going to allow people to connect with you. So that's my thing. I like that. You know what, by the way, good on you for learning that now, because at 41, I, I'm just now re- realizing the significance of that. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, you know what, it just, in fact, the, for me personally, the, um, I guess a sense of happiness with myself then leads to confidence in myself, which just, which then leads to better performance as an individual, just a human being in relationships with my kids and with my girlfriend and her kids and family and friends. Also, my performance as a business owner, all of those things really start with being confident in myself, happy with myself. And so the fact that you're learning the significance of that now means that you get to fast forward all the work that I'm having to do now. You get to do that. And, and it's going to put you light years ahead. I think that's brilliant. That's really, really good stuff. Well, thank you. And, you know, it's, you know, everyone has their own path. And, you know, at the end of the day, like if you're not, if you're not growing, you're dying. So, you know, mm. everyone has growth to do, um, every single day. And so, you know, that's, I think the main focus. So the fact that, you know, you're, you have realized that and that you're growing is amazing. 
you know, um, I'm trying, I'm trying. Know, I'm working. That shows that you're alive. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I am that I am. And I do still feel like I'm 15 in my head. So, um, that's a good thing too. Hey, talk to me about something before we get into this conversation about marketing without a budget. And I know that's really catchy and, and everybody listening in, you should be listening and should be paying attention because this is super important, especially for those of you either who are just getting started or having minimal budget, you know, maybe coming out of COVID, the way that things have affected your business. You're like, I need to build business back up, but I don't have a big budget to spend on marketing. How do I, how do I build that? Brittany's going to give us some insight from her experience here in just a second. But Brittany, I, I love philosophy and principles. Big ideas ultimately enable us to be successful. We can, we can throw out tips and tricks all day, uh, but at the end of the day, philosophy is we, we need to, our lives need to be, and our businesses need to be rooted in a deeper philosophy, a set of values um, and belief systems that, that ultimately enable us to be strong as individuals, strong as business owners. And to that point, um, you and I, and I don't even remember exactly how we got into it. We were, I think, DMing back and forth on Instagram. And, um, and you said, and during that conversation, you said, I invested in a lot of personal development last year and this year, and it has helped my mindset. Instead of being a victim, I'm a victor accountability over your own personal emotions is the freedom everyone has, but some choose to stay in feelings that do not serve them. Um, and, and I think you actually, it was in response to something that I'd posted on stories, but I'd love to get your take on this because first of all, our, our culture is ridden with this kind of feelings obsession. I feel this way. I feel that way. And, and get, mm-hmm. we get fixated on feelings, which is super, I mean, frankly, it's super selfish at the end of the day and it's short-sighted, right? I, because our feelings will change from literally from moment to moment or hour to hour, right. day to day. Second. <laughs> yeah. And then we just follow that and think that somehow we're going to be successful in life because we're, we're focusing on our feelings. Our culture has kind of overreacted to, I guess, decades of the past where we didn't really pay attention. We've overreacted. We're overcompensating. And to an unhealthy extent at this point, I love that you as a 20-something-year-old have realized that that's not healthy. It's not enabling. I'd love to to get your perspective on this topic. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I think most people, we operate our lives from the need of significance. And mm. there's really six human needs. Um, I won't get into all of them, but some, some of them, I'll say top two, significance and certainty. And so, you know, we oftentimes will operate off of significance. And so when we operate from significance, we're basically craving to be liked, respected, Mm. good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But all of that this does is just make us more egocentric. And, you know, egocentricism is uh, so huge right now in our society that it's killing us. And so um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of victimhood in it because it's all about self, you know, how do people think of me? Like, I, I want to feel good enough, you know, am I enough? Like, hmm. you know, I, I don't want to fail. I don't want to be a failure, you know, um, those things. But when we shift from significance and not having to, to meet that, and we focus on, you know, other things like love and connection and growth, that's when we have the ability and control over our lives, our feelings, and, and most importantly, our purpose. So, you know, I think the post that you were talking about was um, sharing transparency, but, you know, not sharing how you learned from that, that whatever you were talking about and being transparent with. And so, you know, the biggest things and the things that I now focus on instead of, because mine were definitely significant, you know, like, how can I be good enough, you know, and instead changing those to love and connection Hmm. and growth, because from there, I'm able to give, you know, I'm able to 
be able to take myself out of it and really uh, focus on my purpose and, you know, what I want to do, how I want to, you know, connect and inspire with other women to fill those things or to fill the things that I feel as well, you know, and to have the mindset shift that I've had. So by the way, these, these six human needs, is this all a Tony Robbins? Oh, yes. How did you know? <laughs> I, I literally have an Evernote document right in front of me here that says six human needs, Tony Robbins, and, and the list is certainty, variety, significance, connection, and love, growth, and contribution. Um, yep. Yeah, I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's actually the personal development that I that I invested in this past year. And I have a, a few other seminars that I'm attending this year. And yeah. they have completely just changed my outlook, you know? Wow. Um, By the way, I have to throw in there too. I said a hum- I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan. I am a big fan of Tony generally. Um, more a fan of the principles that he, not only the principles that he's taught, but the way that he's figured out how to communicate those principles in a way that is, if it's easy to follow, it's easy to understand. He, he takes psychological principles and communicates them in a way that's that's easy to to apply to our lives. And and I I think that's the thing that I love the most about him. He's it's super like high energy. Uh, I've I've seen him in person uh, as well as of course online and and uh, read at least well, I guess a couple of his books now anyway um, really powerful personality but at the end of the day that the principles are really important I I was thinking though Brittany it's interesting how significance we we all have a desire for significance and it looks different and it's funny to me that like somebody can be striving for significance and they can talk about you know, the significance of legacy that they're going to leave to their children while mm-hmm. someone else is just wanting significance a la alike on Facebook. How funny is it that like th- there could be such drastic contrast between the two? Yeah, absolutely. And I think right now, you know, in social media culture, like the significance is all about the followers and the likes and the engagement, you know, um, but instead for me, what I've done and what I've taken is, you know, yes, I still have a personal brand um, that I that I I have and that I want to showcase. Um, but I, I use that to be able to to provide value. You know, um, it's not about the significance for me. It's really about like providing the value and being able to show people that like you can do it. You know, you can take those risks. You can you know let go of fear and showing them what that looks like. You well, know, and there is some vulnerability to it. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, you know, the other thing, one of the other things I admire about where you're at now and this early on in life is that you are also taking responsibility for going ahead and making that move. Because I think part of what we see on Facebook is like, will somebody encourage me? Will somebody tell me I can do this? I'm feeling really <laughs> down. Can, can I, you know, can I get your support in order to do this? And, and by the way, I, I don't want to just simply make fun of that notion because at, at the end of the day, whether with Facebook or, you know, a hundred years ago, people still want the support of their community. And and so that's not a new concept, but we've gotten so obsessed with that idea that we have to get the approval of and support of others in order to make a decision for ourselves. And and I think right. a lot of that stems from insecurity. And of course, that's a loaded topic. And, and you need to, I, I'm commenting to everybody listening in, you need to take the time, whether through a therapist or, or otherwise, to understand where your insecurities come from, address those because it's amazing when you're able to step out beyond those insecurities that that ultimately drive an unhealthy need for significance, uh, how you're able to be more accomplished as an individual in your relationships, in your businesses. It's incredible. I'll just really quickly, Brittany, throw out there the, the comment that you had responded to, what led to this conversation. Um, I, I put a quote up that said, shit happens, but unlike the dung beetle, we don't need to take it with us. 
Um, and I said, our, our culture has made a great move in the direction of vulnerability and transparency, but let's be careful not to revel in our past present struggles for the sake of significance. Sure, shit happens, but then what? How are you growing out of those experiences? Let's keep moving forward. And, and I commented on this, at least partially because we see this, again, this obsession for significance and the way that it, it shows itself is a lot of people just kind of airing their dirty laundry constantly, whether consciously or subconsciously, trying to get the encouragement, yeah, <laughs> encouragement, empathy, likes, whatever it is, response from people. And it's just, it's an unhealthy behavior at the end of the day. I love the direction you're going. I think it's super healthy. And frankly, I, if, if you're doing this now to think about where you're going to be at in 10 years or in 20 years is, is pretty exciting. So props to you for that. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, just growing each day. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. Yeah. Even if it's a little bit at a time, it really makes a big difference. All right. I want to get to our our primary focus in conversation today. I love it. This has been really wide ranging, but we mentioned earlier, actually, that that you went full-time with photography during COVID last year, of all the times in the world, <laughs> what was the impetus to make the move during what was a crazy time in our industry? Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. So many different things. But um, obviously with COVID, I was working, I was able to work from home. I was working for a Fortune 500 company uh, doing recruiting. And um, I had survived probably three rounds of layoffs. Um, so I was very privileged and blessed to be able to do that. But I just found myself um, really unhappy uh, with the work that I was doing. Um, and a part of that was also too, because my job did change. Um, for, I went from recruiting to doing more sales hmm. for the company. And I just really had more of a love of recruitment. And so the sales part was just something that I just didn't really um, want to do, you know, or was passionate about. And so um, I took some time to like think about really what I wanted to do um, and what, you know, would make me happy and something that I could be really passionate about. And, you know, obviously I had photography part time. I had been, you know, making you know, like 6k months with the photography business during COVID. And I was like, Oh, wow, like, this is amazing. Like, My I word. guess I could do this full time. Yeah. Yeah. And that really just helped me with taking the risk um, of doing it. It's like that if I could make you know, more than I made at my corporate job in one month in photography, then I could do this full time. And I'm only doing it part time. So imagine what I could do if I put all of my energy to it. Yeah. So yeah, that's essentially what I did. Um, and obviously, you know, I have things also helping me out with the business and, and things like that. Like my husband and I, we just bought a home, like I had mentioned to you and we, uh, have roommates, you know, so we essentially have roommates who are paying half of our mortgage. So that Brilliant. allows me to be able to, yeah. um, to go full time you know, in the business and, you know, yeah, not every month I'm making, you know, 6k above. Sure, right. Sure. So like, uh, but just being able to have that, like to hold, hold me to be able to do this full time and focus on it full time. Again, kudos to you for, for just like going for it. I mean, you saw the opportunity and, and to your point, the fact that you're able to generate that kind of revenue, what, during what would be considered, especially in California is, is locked down as that state has been uh, that you were able to generate that kind of revenues is, is right super in impressive. los angeles <laughs> oh my not, just, not just california we're enough. like one of the most strict cities <laughs> fair enough yeah no i it, it's from what i i mean I, I haven't been there since covid um but from what i've heard it's been a bit nightmarish to say the least so i'm i again the fact that you're able to make it happen 
despite that um, says a lot. Yeah. And here's hoping for, you know, double that next year at the same time. I mean, or even this year for that matter, like how, how exciting would that be? But um, one of the things that, that you had said, uh, I mean, leading up to this, you were able to book clients as a new full-time photographer without a marketing budget. And the solution to that was personal branding. So I'd love to understand what that means just on a very practical level, um, how you were able to market your budget via personal branding. But can you define, as you understand it, what it means to you, what personal branding is? Yeah. So honestly, personal branding is like what people say about you when you're not in the room. Like that's just the, you know, best way to put it, right? Okay. Either way, okay, let's go back to that because that's really good, actually. What people say about you when you're not in the room. Okay, so what is it about you not being there that would bring out this particular statement versus how they would engage with you if you were there? Yeah, so it's sharing, you know, what they liked about their experience with you, Hmm. um, you know, those things. So um, really just, you know, speaking positively about you. Huh, okay, yeah. So if the person's not there, I guess if they didn't like you, they wouldn't be able to help but gossip, like they'd be talking negative. But if they had a good right. experience, um, hopefully they're going to r- actually rave about that experience with you. Okay, I like that. And it's kind of an interesting thing to think about, like, how am I living my life, not just as a business owner, but individually? Like, am I giving people the experience being on the other side of me that when I'm not in the room, they're raving about their experience with me? That's that's actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we could go really deep with that, I'm sure, but we'll leave that alone for now. Talk to us specifically. I, I, I lo- I'm all about tangible, practical, actionable here on the podcast. You mentioned to me ahead of time, you've got five specific ways that personal branding has enabled you to book clients without a marketing budget. So you know, for those of you listening in, whether you are just getting started and you just don't have a lot of money to spend on marketing, maybe for those of you who are existing photographers who are coming out of COVID, you're like, I, I just don't have a ton of money at the moment um, to be spending on marketing. I've got to get things ramped up again what would your suggestions be as it relates to personal branding? Yeah. So the first thing that I do is I show up. So I show up in my stories. I go live. I show my face in my feed. I share personal and professional insights. That's the first thing that I do. And what I realized, you know, early on is that a lot of photographers, they were not sharing who they were. They were hiding behind their work, you know, and, a lot still are, you know, um, and one of the things I've noticed is that they, they won't even put their, their name, their actual personal name in their Instagram profile. (laughs) Like, what is that about? Connection. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I like early on, you know, especially in this also too, is my sales background. You know, I have done B2B sales, um, for fortune 500 companies. And, you know, the biggest thing that I've learned is that like most people will buy from you because they like you, not because mm. of what you're selling mm. or what your product is, Okay, you know? So especially when you're in a service-based industry. Yep. So that experience helped me to figure out that because I was that photographer who was, you know, when I was starting off, like hiding behind my work, just posting my work, you know, there was some insecurity going on there as well at that time. Sure. And, um, but the minute that I started showing my face more um, on my photography page, that's when I saw that people were reaching out to me through specifically Instagram. That's one of the the biggest um, platforms that I get uh, a lot of my business off of. Okay. But once I started showing my face and showing up and sharing who I was and sharing my story, that's when I saw that more people were connecting to me, more people were engaging with me. Um, 
And I think that's honestly how I was able to book, especially when I had little experience. Okay. I I want you to keep going with these other points, but I do have one question about this. Maybe even just kind of push back a little bit. I'm curious to get your take. When you say showing up, and especially as it relates to social media, some might say in response, well, but I already am. Or look at look around photographers are already doing this this is pretty commonplace from your experience Brittany had have you noticed that some photographers still don't or if they are it's just they're not really putting a whole lot of themselves out there what are your thoughts well I think that you know there's there's also a misconception of like getting personal like you know it's all it's all about how much you're willing to put out there you know and okay. there's some things that you don't need to share on <laughs> social media Please, yes um, <laughs> You know, but, um, but there's things that, you know, are, you're able to have connection, you know, with your potential customer, right. Or client. Um, and so for me, you know, it's, I think that I see people just not showing up enough, you know, okay. um, once, once a month, that's, that's not enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, honestly, I've, I've been, I think guilty of this in some ways, uh, as well. So it's something that I'm trying to up my game, uh, with both with, photographers edit, for example, certainly with a book of podcasts. Um, so it's a good reminder for sure. Okay. So personal branding, first actionable step, practical step, show up a little bit more. And Hey, by the way, for anybody listening in, if you don't have your name in your Instagram account profile, put it there, let people know who you are. It's great that you've got your business name there, but if they don't know who they're talking to, when they get a DM from you, shame on you. Come on, you should know better. <laughs> uh, and I, I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm amazed at the number of people that I that I get, either get a DM from or you know I'm in conversation with, and I look at their profile, and I'm, I don't I don't know who this person is, so I have to kind of dig, like look at an individual post or go to their website in the about section to find literally to find their name. Um, I do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, just... it, it's it's so <laughs> weird. Don't make people work to know who you are. Uh, show up. Okay. That's a good reminder. Number one, show up. What's the next one? Yeah. So like I use myself and my success as an example. Hmm, Um, And so that kind of goes into like number one still, but you know, that's, you know, I, I love to give, you know, success stories and highlights of like successes that I've had um, or even just like things that I've overcome that can, that I know that can relate to my ideal customer. Okay. So I'm, I'm thinking about this as, cause I, I, this makes sense. Um, when, for example, when I talk about photographers edit, I can speak from a super, super personal place as to the significance mm-hmm. of delegating editing work elsewhere, how it saves time, saved time for me and, and my relationship and in order to be able to spend more time with my kids, my relationship with my kids, I could dedicate more to that, especially when they were quite a bit younger. Um, and, and on and on. I mean, I can go on from a personal place. So that totally makes sense. How would you relate this to, um, let's say, a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer? How, how would they speak to personal success as it relates to the service that they're offering? Yeah, you know, I think that it, I think it could also be like, especially if you were a bride yourself, you know, sharing yeah. some of the things that maybe went right with your wedding day or, you know, things that you felt like you could have, you know, did a better job at, or, or, you know, like those, like those things, but just sharing like successes in terms of, you know, whether it be like on a wedding day, sharing different things, such as little sticky situations that you ran into and how you overcame them and yeah. those things. So sharing those successes, I think are really important and it gives the reader, your audience, you know, what it's like to work with you. Well, it also gives them, I think, a more personal reason rather than just simply being sold to. 
if they're like, oh, they've been through this before too, they can relate with how I feel and they have a solution for me. That's that's a big deal. Right. I mean, I, I think back to, um, so when, when my ex and I got married, this is back in 2000, my, my parents hired a wedding photographer. The wedding photographer costs 600 bucks. Um, and, and, you know, we could talk about how you get what you pay for. In this case, that was certainly the case. My <laughs> parents just didn't have a lot of money, though. So 600 bucks was still a lot of money for them. This is who we got. I, there was, it's just quite a, a, a long story. I'll, I'll give the short version. The photographer didn't, Amber had actually already walked down the aisle. And the, 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 we were well into the ceremony before the photographer even showed up. And the, the doors broke open oh to gosh. the church auditorium. And here comes this guy traipsing down the aisle with you know cameras oh, around no. him, his body, and he's starting to shoot. It, it, this whole scene. Um, nightmare of a situation and that actually, by the way, got even worse. Uh, maybe another story for another day. But I think about that personal experience. Well, that naturally sets me up to tell a, a really compelling story that draws people in, brides, potential brides in. And then I can say, I, I will provide a stress-free wedding photography experience for your wedding day. Exactly. Selling point. And now, but, but they've been drawn in. Now they feel like they can relate like, oh my word, the last thing that I want is some photographer that creates some stress in my day. I need to be able to trust that photographer. I'm looking for a photographer I can trust. Oh, look, Nate had that experience. He's going to make sure I don't have that experience. I trust him. I want to hire him. I think that's a great example of, of using maybe not past success in this case, but using personal experience to be able to then more effectively sell a service. Is that, do you think that works? Absolutely. Yes. How can you showcase your credibility and how can you get your customers to trust you? Okay. So number one, show up. I mean, we kind of broke that down. Number two, use your personal experience um, as a means to being able to sell your service. What's number three? Yeah. So number three is very much kind of similar to number two. You know, I give expert advice and education as well as inspirational content to move people into action. Okay. Say that one more time. I'm, I'm literally taking notes with a pen. I'm not a very fast writer. Here, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries. So I give expert advice and education as well as inspirational content to move people into action. Okay. Expert advice and inspirational content. I'm, I'm, I'm shortening it a little bit for my note taking purposes here. Um, so how does that, what does that look like on a very practical level? Again, I'm thinking about, um, wedding photographers, portrait photographers, mm -hmm. branding photographers certainly fall under that realm. What does that look like on a practical level as far as the way that they're interacting with their clients, whether it's social media or website or otherwise? Yeah. So I, what I do is I basically take frequently asked questions and I use that to create content. So that way I, because a lot of people find me, um, through Instagram, so a lot of what I do, if they're looking through my Instagram and they're finding, you know, answers to their questions, that just makes me look more of a, like a credible source, right? Um, and an expert in my industry. So I could take frequently asked questions and, you know, put that into content and give, you know, examples of, you know, let's say, for example, some people might ask, like, do you create a timeline for your wedding? you know, and then you can share like how you actually create a timeline for your wedding and how that actually helps with being able to get the images that you desire from your wedding day. Right. So I could share something like that. And are you doing so, that through your, your website? I know some photographers create like a, a, a magazine or maybe there's an email chain that they they've generated ahead of time that they send to their clients. How do you communicate something like that to your clients? Yeah. So I have frequently asked questions on my website. Okay. Okay. 
And then I also, again, am very detailed in the emails that I send. Yeah, that, that makes a big difference. Okay, so expert advice. And, and it's interesting, we're talking again about that idea of trust, right? You're, you're kind of furthering the trust as an expert. You're communicating information to them ahead of time that will be helpful to them in the experience. They walk away with a better uh, overall perception of you and your brand as a result. So that, that makes, I mean, that's huge, obviously, in the end. So show up, use your, your personal experience, um, the story of your personal experience to sell your service, offer expert advice and inspirational content. What, what do you mean by inspirational content? How does this relate to photographers? Yeah. So how it actually relates to me, um, for example, is, you know, I am again, working with women who may potentially have fears of getting in front of the camera. So I like to share inspirational content. So that could be inspirational quotes, things that could be helpful to, you know, boost their day, you know, cause for me, like when I see an inspirational quote, like I'll like it, I'll maybe comment on it, but I appreciate that this person, you know, had some content that actually maybe like helped give me a little boost that day. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So inspirational content and, and I guess maybe the other way that I don't know, would imagery fall under inspirational content? I mean, just the images that we're going to put in our portfolio um, as a means to to demonstrate or to inspire ultimately the potential client, encouraging them to, to book us because, hey, look, this is the end product. I guess we could probably put our imagery under that that category as well. Absolutely. You know, it, it could be a quote. It could be a photo. It could be a photo with also in, like inspirational caption. It could be a number of those things you know, but how are you going to move someone into action? And so for me, like I always have like call to actions in my posts as well. Like I I want people to engage with what I'm posting to see if it actually resonates with them. And so when people do engage, I engage back with them. And so I create a conversation through my post and that altogether helps with creating a community within my social media. Ooh, brilliant. And that's a whole topic in and of itself. We will save that maybe for another day. Um, <laughs> let's get to point number four. What's, what's the next kind of practical way that personal branding can be utilized for marketing a business? Yeah. So what I do is networking. So I do for me, what I like to do is I like to go to different Facebook groups and network with different, uh, women entrepreneurs and also on Instagram. So I'll use Instagram to network with, you know, ideal customers, um, other business owners. And, and are you just reaching out to them like via DM? You follow them and just send them a DM and begin a conversation? What does that look like? Usually I follow them. I'll leave comments on, you know, a post that resonates with me. Okay. Um, so, and it's, you know, an engaging, insightful comment to what they're posting. Um And then sometimes, yeah, I will DM them or they'll DM me. Like, you know, it kind of happens more organically than that. Okay. But um, I do use Instagram strategically to network with other women entrepreneurs. I almost asked a really stupid question about going to networking meetings. Of course, that hasn't been happening um, thanks to COVID (laughs) and you living in L.A., um, do you foresee it's been happening in other parts of the country? But... Yeah. Well, and so, so to that end, yeah, I mean, whether somebody has the ability to do that now or maybe in the future, is that something that you plan on doing? I mean, working in the corporate world and being in sales, did you go to, um, various networking meetings previously? Did you find those helpful? Yeah, absolutely. I went to networking events, career fairs, and, you know, um, honestly, like that's, huge, especially in, in sales and recruitment is networking. So do you, do you feel like that's going to make a difference 
um, specifically in your brand photography business? Or do you still think that most of your time will be spent via in, in social media? No, um, networking is definitely a big part of my business growth. Um, because I do get a lot of business from referrals okay. um, and that comes from networking, okay. you know? So I would say like, they're both honestly kind of half and half in terms of what I see, um, where I see like my success and my bookings come from yeah. it's both Instagram and networking. Okay. Fair enough. Well, take us to the last point. I think you had one more to share. Yeah. So the last point kind of ties in back into like the networking piece. Um, for me, uh, I know we said we could touch on this another time, but um, creating a community on my social media is has definitely been huge. And so, oh, yeah. Oh, um, feel I love, free to dig and go as deep as you want with it. I didn't mean to minimize any conversation now. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry. So connecting authentic, uh, authentically on Instagram has definitely helped me with growing my business. And so, you know, uh, when I post something on social media, and uh, someone comments, I will comment back. Um, I really like to keep the conversation going. I like to ask insightful questions. I like to also comment on other people's posts and leave insightful or engaging comments um, because then that kind of creates more of a connection rather than just like, love this, you know, or like, like three emoji hearts. Right. So I really try <laughs> which, to be, which, by the way, are like already auto populated now by Instagram, right. right? Like you just click on the thing. How much effort did it take? Oh yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. So I don't, social media, you know, has definitely done that to where like people are just running on autopilot, oh. you know? And so, but the thing is uh, we all know it too. Right. And so I think it's right. a, it's a good reminder. Like, Hey, Hey, you who, you know, just went and commented or DM'd on 20 different accounts, but you were using the automated options that we all have. We know right. what you're doing. <laughs> and to that end, actually, I'm curious to to get your take on this because you mentioned authenticity. And this is, frankly, it's, it's a word I'm a little bit jaded by. It's, it's thrown around quite a bit these days. So I, I, two things. One, I'm curious how you personally define authenticity, especially as it relates to social media. And then two, you know, despite the fact that, and, and not just you, Brittany, we all kind of craft the content that we post on social media for the sake of presentation. And that's a nice way to put it, but uh, to look good at the end of the day, right? For our brand, for ourselves, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So in addition to defining authenticity, I'm curious how you ultimately feel you you are communicating authentically um, on social media. And honestly, this is something that I, I want to continue to work on as well at finding a better balance. And so I, I'd love your take on it. Yeah. I mean, there's no right or wrong way um, to showcase that, but authenticity to me is just being yourself and being okay with showing the parts of yourself that, you know, may not be accepted by others. Um, and so that for me is authenticity is showing up really as truly as you are and not who you think you should be or who you think or who people think you should be. So, um, willing to be brave and how you share, your your story, your journey, the things that you like or the things that you enjoy. Give me an example of something that like that you've put out there on social media before that maybe didn't get the most positive response. I'm curious what that looks like. Again, just on a practical level, what it means to share, like to put your authentic self out there and maybe you don't always get the most positive feedback as a result, but it, you feel despite that, that you are being authentic and so you, you would keep it up. 
think it's probably me going live with no makeup on. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> I guess that would be the equivalent of me like getting up and not fixing my hair and throwing on a, a sweatshirt or something like that. Right. You know, I don't know. Like, I think that because we see on social media, we know we see everyone's highlight reels, everyone has makeup on, and they're dressed really nice when they show up on social media. And for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to put out this raw content where like, I am, you know, I don't have my makeup done, you know, and I am sharing, you know, five ways in how to increase your return on investment through brand photography, you know, like, doing things like that, I think, and not being afraid of what people are going to think and how I'm presenting it um, and that they will listen in because they actually will get value out of it. And understanding too, that, you know, like I'm not doing this for the masses. You know, if I'm able to connect with just one person, yeah, then I'm living my purpose. You know, like I don't care if a hundred people like my photo or, hmm. you know, a thousand people like my photo. Would it be nice? Sure. You know, but again, that's just like feeding my significance, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, if I could just impact one person to do something that they were maybe afraid of, yeah. then I've won. I, I'm glad that you say that because I'm, I'm also thinking about, I mean, when we look at followers in general, uh, in fact, I was even just thinking about how, man, you know what, despite my involvement in companies and being in the industry for a long time, whatever, I don't, I don't have that many followers. But what's interesting is if, if we have, uh, I look at my followers on Instagram, what are they right now? Like 2000 or something like that. Super small number. <laughs> but if, if we were able to genuinely impact 2000 people on a regular basis, that's a, that's an insane amount of people, um, especially as, you know, you think like back 20, 30 years ago when that wasn't really even an option. Right. The, the notion that we have the opportunity or the, the possibility, even, and we all know we're not going to get, if I have 2,000 followers, I'm not going to get 2,000 people watching or looking at every picture or seeing every story. So even when we get a fraction of that, if I, if, if I can interact with 800 to 1,000 people on a regular basis, that's still a really big number. And if I have the ability not only to make an impact on their lives, but potentially to convert them to, to customers as well, even better. So I'm glad that you highlight that. I mean, do, do you have goals as far as followership are concerned? Or how do you, how do you gauge your, your metrics on social media? No, not at all. I honestly, <laughs> I, you know, that's just, it's just a number. It doesn't mean that people are actually going to buy from you, the yeah. more followers that you have. Yeah. Um, you know, and like I said, a lot of my business still right now comes from referrals. So it's not, it's not of my concern, but what I would love to, to share is that I didn't even know you, you had 2000 followers. <laughs> that, but that's, but I think that's kind of brilliant for the, the purpose of this conversation, right? You're not looking at that number no. to decide whether or not to engage with me. Yeah. If you didn't tell me that, I, I would be thinking that, oh my gosh, like Nathan probably has like 20K followers, you know, because your podcast has been so influential and helpful to my success. And honestly, like, it's just been so good to listen in when I have the ability to, I have the time to, um, but you know, it's just, it's funny because <laughs> what you're doing is amazing, Nathan. And I really appreciate you putting together this podcast and it's honestly just, it's, it's one of the best out there. Well, that's, that's very, first of all, it's very generous of you and, and, but also extremely encouraging too, because at the end of the day, 
that is the goal. It's to add value, even if it's small little bits of piece of information. For those of you listening in, if you listen in for 10 minutes and you can walk away with something actionable, again, tips and tricks, you know, whether we're going to the magazine rack at the store or we're scrolling Instagram, we can get those all day long. But if we don't do anything with them, why does it matter? So if you're able to take away something actionable that makes a difference in your personal life and your business, I'm I'm just glad that we're around to be able to to make that difference. So to that end, Brittany, thank you for the encouragement. Super kind. And today for contributing to that effort, um, for making time for all of us, for sharing your experience so far. Uh, let our listeners know one more time, if you don't mind, where they can follow you online, how they can uh, DM you and, and uh, add to that number of followers. <laughs> <laughs> So you can follow me or not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so my Instagram is Brittany G Photography, and that's Brittany with two T's in EY. My Facebook is Brittany Jean Photo, and my website is BrittanyJeanPhotography.com. Cool. And we're going to link to all of these in the show notes, BocaPodcast.com. Uh, I didn't mention earlier, but for those of you listening in, we'll, we'll link to uh, the the book that Brittany was that Brittany mentioned as well. Remind me the title, Brittany. I don't have it right here in front of me. Here it is. Defining Decade, Why Your 20s Matter and How to Make the Most of Them Now. We'll put that in the show notes, bocapodcast.com as well. Thanks everybody for listening in. Hope you have a great day. Thanks again, Brittany, for, for hanging out with me today too. Thank you so much, Nathan. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at BocaPodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, PhotographersEdit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.